0: Today, plausibly live, it's the ZabeCast. We'll do it live.
1: I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live.
0: Today's guest: sports radio lifer and DC Jewish sports hall of famer Andy Polin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> see. And now let's get to yakin. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, March. Four 2024, Andy is in the house. And pour one out, Andy, for Chris Mortensen. The Mort Report is no more. Passes away at 72 on Sunday. That sucks. Oh, I did not, I did not hear that. Yeah, I'm that very was sorry. Breaking news in the last... When I called you an hour ago to set this up, it was mm-hmm. not on the radar. And then I was like, well, I guess it's timely that we delayed it. You know, he was a staple of early espn as i call it or alternate name respected espn before espn got stupid am i wrong about that he was
1: part of the hires made by john walsh and uh, i think peter gammons was the first of that type you know someone who had been a newspaper reporter uh transitioning to doing television and mort came along i want to say like 1989 90 somewhere right. in there right right uh, the the insiders before him <laughs> it's i mean it's very sad that he fred, passed away and i really fred liked Edel- him very Fred edelman much. yeah
0: or fred edelstein, fred edelstein freddie went edelstein, to jail yes.
1: yeah who later went to jail uh and and only got his information from al davis and uh, would spend Super Bowl week sitting by the pool. used to see Fred <laughs> out there all the time. Um, let's see. So let's see. Fred
0: Edelstein, Mort. Edelstein, uh-huh. Edelstein which was, who, who did not look good on TV. Uh, no. Mort, who looked passable but boring on TV. And then John Clayton, who looked so <laughs> bad on TV, they made fun of how bad he looks on TV.
1: Yeah, but he had everything. See, Mort, Mort generally worked the big stories. And Clayton was telling you all the contract extensions for the tackles and the left guards and the and the kickers who were moving from team to team. You know he he dealt with all the all the little uh, moves. And uh, they were a good team. And then Schefter came along, probably early two thousands, something like that, right? I believe
0: so. Yeah, because he was an early target on my radar screen because of his whole Art Monk nonsense. Remember yeah, that then so that didn't have a so signature you and I play right. Yeah. You and I started our show in in I guess, or two thousand ish. And so therefore, yeah. I was like, "Who is this guy from Denver that that <laughs> is on the Hall of Fame committee?" Who says, "Well, I don't know if you know he has a signature catch or not." And I'm like, "Signature catch? What bullshit is that?" He held the single season catch record and he held the all-time catch record and because the game changed soon after he retired he got left behind like a kid at the bus stop with his mom not ready to pick him up from baseball practice it was absurd
1: yeah yeah finally uh joe gibbs talked to peter king and that uh that changed it okay Uh, you
0: know this is our first uh chat since peter king announced he was quote retiring quote Mm -hmm. retiring because he even alluded to I don't know what's next. Now, he is fairly young and fairly, in, I would assume, in pretty good health. And I don't mm-hmm. think he golfs or fishes. This is all Peter King does. So I think he's going to probably do something else. But give me your two cents on Peter King overall, both as the guy and the reporter. Well, you and I differ a little bit on Peter King. I'm soft in my stance. I said this last week. I said I was more of a dick about him than I probably should have been.
1: We go back to 1988. And in 1988, I was the first Giants beat reporter for WFAN. And I was sent to training camp. I didn't know anybody. And I was an out-of-towner, which is is tough. I mean, I didn't really have any long history with the Giants other than watching them play the Redskins. And um, there were mostly newspaper guys there all day. Occasionally, TV people would show up. But I was right there with the newspaper guys. Now you got to realize uh, how the technology worked in those days. So uh, I was getting stories on the air that normally would have waited until the next day for the newspaper guys, and they would call their desk and they would say, "Hey, I got this," and they go, "Well, uh, we just heard that on WFAN. Do you oh, have anything wow. fresher than that?" So wow. most of the guys, most of the guys. Hated me. Uh, <laughs> I never knew yeah, this, this about.
0: So it wasn't yeah, well, just your winning personality that pissed people off. You were beating them and causing them to do more work.
1: Right. It, it, the, the flow of information worked differently. Right. You know,
0: once it, it was getting on the radio,
1: basically, you know, twelve hours before it would hit the newsstand.
0: Give me, give me and, a nugget. I'm dying to know a nugget that you would have reported that then I guess Francesa and or Mad Dog would have breathlessly reported on WFAN, which would have reverberated throughout the five boroughs, and every one that follows sports would know about it that afternoon. Well, I mean it it really
1: wasn't anything, you know, big scoop or anything. It was more like Carl it, Banks like, has a knee seri-
0: injury and is not likely bro, well, to play tomorrow or next week. Yeah.
1: Something like that. Or or seriously, like when when you would the quarterback would be named. Like if there was a, a a question whether Phil Sims would start or not because at that point it was injury, uh, it would get on the air, whereas the, you know normally it would wait probably till well the the TV guys would have it, but it wouldn't be till like six o'clock. I was I would have it on you know minutes after Bill Parcells said it, right. And so they they didn't like that flow. There were two guys, two guys who were nice to me. One of them was Peter King. Ooh, ooh,
0: ooh, ooh, ooh. can I guess the other one? go ahead. Gary Myers of the Daily News. No, Gary Gary was, was uh, Gary was not there at the time. Gary was working in Dallas. Okay. Gary and
1: I we intersected in Dallas before that, and then when I left WFAN, he came back to New York. But he we never really were on the same, you know, beat together. Okay, next uh,
0: next guess. Vito yeah. Stellino, the Baltimore Sun. No. <laughs> Vito <laughs> Stellino wasn't covering the Giants. I know. Vito I just... and I had a dust-up years later. You know about that one. <laughs> no, I never heard that one. For those oh, that don't the know, is, is hold on. Is Vito still with us?
1: I think so, but I know he's retired.
0: Okay. Vito looked 100 years old when he was in his prime covering the NFL and covering the Baltimore Ravens, but the Colts before that, right?
1: The Colts, and then he went to Pittsburgh. He was he was in a. I think he wound up in Jacksonville. Okay, and it wasn't that that he looked old. Um, let's just. I mean, nobody ever confused me with Brad Pitt, but <laughs> but let's let's you know, just
0: Vito say was. Vito. Let, let me wait. here. Let me put it this way: if you would have harvested Vito's ear hair and no nose hair, you could have made a sweater out of it.
1: <laughs> pretty much, the, the Glenn Brenner line was when you went to a party.
0: You definitely wanted to be standing next to Vito. <laughs> All right, so so why did you and Vito get into it? Oh, this
1: was years later. So when I would go to the, you remember, I would always go to Super Bowl media day. Yes, and I would I would look for um, connections to the to the local. So somebody either played for the Redskins or somebody uh, played for uh, or was from the area. So the Steelers were in the Super Bowl, and then why is his name escaping me? The offensive coordinator in Tampa, who worked with uh, Brady when he was there, played in Jacksonville. Bruce played, uh, No, no, the quarterback, the backup quarterback. Um, uh, he went. He's from Woodson, and he went to Marshall. Uh, come on, he, and, and he broke his leg, and the players carried him up the field.
0: You know, oh, what yeah, I'm talking uh, about Byr- uh, Byron Marshall. Ma- Byron. Yeah, Byron- Leftwich,
1: Byron, yes. Leftwich, uh, Leftwich. Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. Oh boy. God. Yeah, we're both two old you and boy.
0: I two all two all with fading memories. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh,
1: so I I was doing a one-on-one with him and Vito walked in yeah. and after about three or four questions uh you know he starts to ask I go hey hold on and he goes there you know and then we <laughs> kind of went back and, back and forth like you know get out of my way for another minute and a half and then you can ask your questions but I'm doing a one-on-one interview with him so stop so that that didn't go well but
0: anyway good good uh, for you for standing up I have a couple more guesses on the other reporter okay. that was nice to you when you were first in town in New York. Was it Dave Anderson of the New York Times? No.
1: Dave, Dave was a, a columnist. He would okay. come, out, yeah. right. he, he'd come out to one practice a year. He, that wasn't his deal.
0: Okay. And then I guess my last guess, and this is a print guy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Print guy that was nice to you. One of them was Peter King. Of the Bergen record at the time?
1: Uh, no, he was with Newsday. He was with Newsday. Okay. Uh, Phil Mushnick no phil phil though he lit me up a few times in print though he did yeah oh, <laughs> oh yeah. shit
0: i gotta google search that now hey uh zabe cast minions go search it out find the times that mushnik eviscerated andy poland for probably a question that phil thinks was not so smart
1: well it wasn't that it was more of like see if you want me to tell that story too i, I
0: do i want all the
1: stories <laughs> we were we, we were in the Kaufman Astoria Studios which is where WFAN was when it started uh was was a old movie studio okay. and it's where they used to film those those underwater you know spectaculars with uh <laughs> Esther Williams you know the so, swimming
0: so. okay that's a see now we got to explain this one to the young kids so once yeah. upon a time there were tv shows specials filmed, filmed for primetime movies, time. movies. movies. Yes, movies. that were actual uh, aquatic-based movies right? Of, right. Uh, of swimmers and synchronized swimming and big, like, Broadway musical-style shows all set in the water to Claire mm-hmm. de Lune and other stuff like that. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, okay. And so, uh, so we were underground, and there were no windows. And I walk in, and it's raining, and then I see people come into the station, and they're ringing out their umbrellas. And so I said, "Well, the Yankees." I was doing updates at that point, and I said, uh, "The Yankees are due to play at one o'clock this afternoon, but from the looks of things, it looks like it's going to be washed out." And Mushnick writes, "Yes, I was driving in New Jersey, and the sun was streaming through my windshield <laughs> as he spoke."
0: So that was a genuine <laughs> fuck up by you.
1: Yeah. And there were others too, but yeah, we got off to a rough start, but I've, I've since, you know, met him and, and, uh, at one point I even called him and I said, look, I, I, I'm going to try and get this right. I'm not, you know, (laughs) I'm not doing this on purpose. Was he receptive to your call? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's good. I mean,
0: I, I still applaud Mushtik as the lone voice of sanity standing athwart the, the rushing mob of greed in our business and in sports in general, shouting, "This is nuts! All of right. this is fucking nuts!" So kudos yeah. to him. All right, who was it that was nice to you besides Peter King? It was Bob Globber, and oh, and both of them. Fuck, I should have known. Globber's a great and both, guy.
1: And the point the point being is that those two scribes both saw the future. And saw the value of getting to know people in broadcasting because uh-huh. they were uh-huh. able to parlay that into very successful secondary, you know, careers. Right. Uh, Bob was on ESPN and other places, and uh, yeah, made quite a bit of extra money. He, he continued to write, and I think he retired a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, he uh, he. Both of those guys were nice to me. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure. Because he was not at Newsday at the time, he may have taken Peter King's place the next year,
0: where Peter King went to Sports Illustrated. Wow. Well, Glober was briefly on Cold Pizza, if I recall, the earliest ESPN right. iteration of that show.
1: Right, and and in the early years of the pregame show for the Redskins in the 1990s, our insider the first year was Chris Mortenson, oh. uh, who was picking up some extra bucks doing that. And then when Mort, you know, schedule got too busy. Uh, I had Bob Glauber do it for a few years, and he was was very good at it. So
0: back to the heyday of the Mort era, the Mort report on ESPN, it was just so different back then because I don't think Mort ever issued a hot take that was more than just slightly warmed over. He was strictly an information man. He was there to say, here's what I know, here's what's been reported, maybe here's what's rumored, but that was it. Would Mort in today's day and age be forced – to dance a hot take jig? Do you think? Well,
1: I i, th- I think he um, he he was forerunner to Schefter. So would he be Schefter today? I'll tell you this. Um, this was my experience with him when he was doing work, freelance work for me or for our station. He told me there were times that were off limits. He said, that's family time. Uh, and he has a, a son and maybe a daughter, but a okay. son who played football, uh, at Arkansas briefly, uh, and then transferred to Georgia State. And was a nice. real big high school star, but his uh, college career didn't quite pan out. He's now, I think, an assistant at Alabama. The son. Um, wow. And so and so, whereas Schefter never takes a vacation. Apparently, is tied to his cell phone twenty four hours a day. This was again pre cell phone. So this was the when he first started was 1990, 91. I mean, when did when did cell phones become?
0: You well, know, everyday let's see. The Motorola StarTAC was the coolest flip phone that had debuted for consumer use. We're not talking Gordon Gecko, And that no. was around circa 1995, I want to say, because I okay. was living in Chicago. My friend uh, uh, Adam uh, someone, something or another, I can't think of his name. He had one because he had a good job. And the minutes were outrageous. The battery life on it was just absurd. But that was kind of the beginning of it because when we were at one-on-one sports, we brought giant Army-style cell phones down Mm -hmm. to Media Day, or not even Media Day, but Radio Row for the Super Bowl in Miami in 1994, okay? Mm. And we would be able to, after the little uh, group interview sessions around – Circular banquet tables with the reporters during the week of the game would break up with players on each team. One of our producers would sort of grab one guy and say, hey, and shove this giant cell phone in their <laughs> hands connected back to the studios in Chicago. And those were expensive permitted. But we were like, they're getting stuff that nobody else got. That was 95. So that's the okay. time we're talking about 95.
1: Yeah. So and Shep- none of that. But- yeah. Uh, the 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 sources that these guys had not all of them had cell phones no so so you're 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 basically you know a lot of the work was done with landlines i guess when did email become
0: common uh late 90s email you know? yeah once the internet ramped up in 97 98 99 email shortly followed
1: yeah so the the, the mode of communication was a lot different then and where adam Schefter, you know somehow has a daughter and a and a stepson and a, and still a wife. Um, his he, life is tied to that cell phone.
0: Good. So wait, he uh he claims to not take vacation, or you know this for a fact. Oh, he, he says it. He says so he has he not claims taken a vacation. It. Well, he, and he and he he made a big
1: simus out of uh, whoa, his whoa, whoa, stepson. Whoa,
0: time out. Need a twenty, maybe a full. <laughs> this is a first. This is a new Yiddish word for me, people. Uh, he made a what? I called it a simis, like a big a big deal, you know, about this.
1: Simis, okay. <laughs> I just thought it was Spell more it. descriptive. Spell uh, simis. Uh, I, well, some of these Yiddish words don't translate okay, well, but fine. it like okay, would be, S-I-M-I-S. Okay, a big simis about. Yeah, that he said, I am going to my son's, it's his stepson, his graduation at Michigan during the draft, and my cell phone will be turned off. And then the Eagles made some trade, and he jumped right in to, 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 to give you some some details about it. So,
0: well, either he's lying, which I don't mind, because that whole job and he's paid insanely. Uh, he's mm-hmm. paid an insane amount of money, to be honest, in my personal opinion. But uh, that whole job is premised on the notion of I never sleep. It's it's Jay Glazer in that interview saying he's got two cell phones, one on each ear, even when he sleeps. So they make yeah. wake them up. The whole point of of that job, if you want to get the big bucks, is to pretend like you're so wired into the league that you never miss anything. But it's all bullshit. And these guys get fed stuff, as you know, Andy, from agents that want it out there in the bloodstream. So and so's unhappy. This team may be interested in this coach, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Not only that, uh sometimes I see these tweets from Adrian Wojnarowski and he's breathlessly having something out there, and I look at the name and I go, "I don't know who this guy is." I mean, you know, unless you're telling me about about LeBron or uh, Le- you know.
0: come on, Andy, Luca you can. We- there you go. There's two NBA players. Keep going. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, but but basically, that. So I see these names and I go, "Okay, why should I
0: care? Why do I you give know? a fuck?" And, and exactly.
1: He's, and he's paid a lot of money to to do those things, you know. And he's he's been there's some other guy, Charm Sharania or something like that. They're at war with each other as to who can get the these things out first.
0: I, I don't care. Shams Charania or Chirani. Okay. Yes, Shams yeah. is his first name. Uh, Shams is apparently a much more likable guy. Okay.
1: Than yeah. I mean, Woj's I don't know either one. Quickly.
0: Well, anyway, so, um, yeah. So either either uh, Schefter's lying about never taking a vacation or he's the shittiest dad ever. I'm sorry it doesn't appear that way well listen I'm in dad mode right now with my girls on vacation and my wife out here in Phoenix you can't be full dad if you don't take at least a little bit of time off to go on vacation with your family you're one click shy he might be a really good dad and also receiving votes dad but he's not a great dad if he literally never takes a vacation I'll die on that hill Andy Okay. Well, okay. I mean, I I, I can't. <laughs> you don't I engage don't in dad well shaming. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, because because you know, Lord knows, I've had my uh,
0: oh, listen, I'm <laughs> my not, failings. Listen, I'm I'm um I'm, I'm a middle of the road dad. As I'll, if 2024 is the year you're jetting off to a new country, or even just want to expand your language skills beyond English, then I urge you to check out Like to say, I'm a replacement level dad. You know, I'm the guy they comp to in all the war calculations for dads, right? Scott Lynn, he's way up there. He's got like a a dad war of five. Me, I'm the replacement level guy. I'm all right. Yeah. Scott
1: Scott is it would get the Ward Cleaver Lifetime Achievement Award, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. Scott makes us all look shitty by comparison, Mm -hmm. but God bless him for it. Nicest guy in the world. All right. So, as I wind this up, and I want to pivot to the combine for a second, um, the, uh, the thing about reporters and salaries in ESPN, you mentioned to me before we came on, you go, oh, by the way, talk about Ryan Clark getting his $2 million and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and nobody gave a shit when it was all said right. and done.
1: He made a big stink, like, okay, I did everything they asked. I worked my tail off, and now it's time to get paid and then i've always like,
0: felt i deserved more i went out right. and i got more i started this podcast hey how about that i did this i did that i'm ready yeah, for yeah. it i'm putting in the work and right. he got and just two about two went million by yeah.
1: and, and and people go well i guess ryan clark left the espn oh no he's back <laughs> and he signed for two million and you go well based on some of the salaries i've heard that's probably what the original offer was.
0: The days the days of good old uh what's his name flipping five million a year to uh Michelle Beadle for no reason whatsoever, those days are over. Like yeah, two right. is a pretty good number. They are now finally counting pennies at the four letter red well, cable network it, in the woods. It's not that. It's just
1: sensible spending. Like, okay, if if you don't get Ryan Clark for two million, you can get somebody almost as good or maybe better for that. It's yeah, you know, yeah, that's, it's that's not that I, unique I, of a
0: job. That's what I said, Andy. I said they're they're counting yeah. pennies there, and you're like, yeah. no, it's not that. They're just sensible spending. Isn't that not the same thing? Okay. Okay, whatever. <laughs> they're replaceable right. guys. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Okay. Okay. All right. So that said, here we go to the combine. It's happening all over again, Andy. The same okey-doke, dumb shit things that do not matter, literally do not matter, these supposedly smart football people are falling for all over again. You ready for these Caleb Williams hosannas? Laura (laughs) Rutledge, who I like and does a good job, when we interviewed Caleb this week... He made a point to introduce himself to our entire production crew. (laughs) May seem like a small thing, but that's a rare gesture in our business. Peter Schrager of NFL Network, last player to leave the field Saturday after the drills, Caleb Williams, hung around and said goodbye to all the folks who ran the drills and worked the events. God, you people are so dumb. I looked up the article, si.com, one Peter King, Manziel, the polished version. On Friday (laughs) night, wrote King about Manziel, the Jaguars had a 15-minute session with Johnny Manziel. The a quarterback hadn't met anyone in the room, but when he walked in, all the Jaguars coaches and officials stood. Manziel went to owner Shad Khan and shook his hand. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Khan. I'm Johnny Manziel. Then to his son, Tony Khan, senior VP. Hi, Mr. Khan, Johnny Manziel. Then to GM David Caldwell. Then to offensive coordinator Jed Fish. All the same, handshake, look him in the eye, refer to them by name. He knew them all. Now, he didn't know the scouts in the room, but he knew five men by sight he'd never met. That was impressive, Caldwell said. He did a really nice job in there. He was prepared for the interview. Doesn't fucking matter. And it wasn't just that he couldn't uh, read zones and throw accurately in the pros. He was a shithead, a lazy, co-connected shithead, and they fell for it. And the same football people are falling for this bullshit. And I'm not saying Kelly Williams is a bad guy. I'm saying stop writing this shit, you dummies.
1: Right. They're, they're, they're looking at, at signs and saying, aha, that's it. <laughs> no, that may not be it. And, and I remember when RG3 was coming out yes. and he did interviews with everybody and everybody loved him and he had the Superman socks. And then amidst all this, there was a guy named Nerlens Narwaki who wrote a story and said, you know, Nolan. Uh, I think it was
0: Nolan I, get... I think it was Nolan Narwaki. Nolan? Okay. I and I believe Nerlens, he but... wrote the devastating uh scouting report on Cam, not so much right. RG three.
1: But he did also write about RG three oh. and he said, Well, my my sources are telling me that he's selfish and people like stoned him. That's oh, right. How dare you? That's oh right. my That's god. That's right, how could he you did i forgot he? That. Yeah, he he's selfish he's the most self-centered person i have ever observed he is all about himself more right. than anybody and that's yeah one of and the he nailed it he and and yeah. i
0: said the phenomenon is quite understandable when you consider group dynamics and the social element of group dynamics no one wants to be the guy at the party who's like this dude sucks I know he he was great in college, but he's not going to translate, and I've got good intel as to why, either with his physical attributes or how he plays or who he is as a person. And I'm willing to say I'm betting he won't be good. I'm not saying I'm rooting for it. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm giving you my best opinion based on what I've learned. Nobody wants to be that guy because you're not part of the fun. You know, this whole well, process is supposed to be fun. Ooh, look at these shiny new stars. I can't wait to see them play on Sundays. Have you
1: heard the uh, Merrill Hodge take on Drake May?
0: Not on May. I I did on this podcast the Merrill Hodge quick synopsis on Williams when he said he, do, he was not special. That triggered a lot of people. He backtracked slightly, but he made some good points. Others have said, look, the, the tape that Caleb Williams has from SC is such a mess. By mess, I don't mean he played poorly. Just it's SC. They had dominant skill position guys. They had sure. inconsistent you know production he was like you can't it's hard to tell from what he did at usc because of what's on tape and kurt warner talked about they'll run the same plays in college over and over again they'll have five seconds to throw instead of three which is what they'll have in the pros guys will be open by 10 yards instead of 10 inches it so much of it doesn't translate but i haven't heard about drake may i've heard some negative things i assume that that he does not like drake may either he he said not
1: a first round talent. And he said he's got things that probably can't be
0: fixed. You know, and, oh, and, and sounds like another I, ex-Carolina quarterback by the name of Mitch Trubisky.
1: Right. And there and then there are others who say, oh no, he's the best quarterback in the draft. And right. uh yeah, you know, I, I take him over Caleb Williams. And so, you know, it's it's a big dance that goes on, and part of the reason for it is, and I blame baseball, because baseball could have this time there could be we could, people could be freaking about Shohei Atani and right. all the other stuff. How's he and, looking
0: but, in spring training with the Dodgers? Blah, blah, blah.
1: But, but right now, the only thing outside the NFL that's of any interest is a woman's basketball player. Who's, you know, <laughs> right. who's exciting, but she plays women's basketball. That's it. And so the, this is what we have. We have the combine dance and yeah. just what you outlined. That's what goes on at this time every
0: year. but, the NFL is so popular now, and they've leveraged themselves so well, integrated themselves into every part of the NFL, of the calendar of sports. Dreaming about what Drake May or Caleb Williams might look like next September is more yeah. interesting than giving a shit about the middle relief for the Angels. Exactly. Nobody you- cares about that stuff. The shiny object, the delicious... Pizza, deep dish pizza with pepperoni, is the NFL. Everything else is a fucking salad. It is, and and did you see the tweet that it
1: it seems like the owners are going to push the players' association to see if they can get in eighteen games. That's a slam freaking dunk. That's <laughs> Will Chamberlain dunking on a six six center right. back in nineteen
0: sixty two. That's won't, done. They won't have to. Know? They won't have to push him, Andy. They're gonna trick him like you trick your dog who's gotten one of your socks in his mouth and won't give it up and can't catch him, you go to the treat bucket, like I do, and you go, Tucker, treat, and then you hold it out, he drops the sock, you pull the treat away, and you grab the sock, and you say, stop grabbing my socks. That's what the owners are going to do to the players.
1: I'm going back to my Sonny Corleone analogy. You take the photographer's camera, you smash it on the ground, (laughs) and you throw down some 20s. That's how that's going to work.
0: Uh, One more on Caleb Williams, this from Mike Florio, who is maybe the dumbest smart guy in the biz. He says, quote, we met Caleb Williams, me and Chris Sims, had a chance to sit down and talk to him on camera for about 10 minutes. We both were already impressed by what he does on the field. He's very mature. He gets it. He understands what it takes to perfect his craft. He will be fully committed to the team that gets him. He'll be a natural leader, one that holds players accountable with his words and his actions. Combine that with his skills, and Caleb Williams is poised to become one of the best players in the NFL. Are you fucking kidding me? The guy that painted fuck Utah on his fingernails is very mature. The guy that was sobbing in his mommy's lap in the stands is very mature. What a take by Florio.
1: What a I watched, fucking take. And I watched I watched that ten minute interview. And Sims Sims is embarrassing. <laughs> Sims Sims Florio actually asked some questions sims hops up in his lap and he can't stop licking his face he's he's just i mean it's it was embarrassing oh dude you are going number one. Oh yeah you are going number one oh yeah you're going number one you're the I mean, man it was, yeah it was like it was like oh my
0: god this is awful yeah, yeah. now look he may end up being right it's he certainly a position but to say that he's very mature and gets it, that flies in the face of what we've seen so far. So far, he sounded uh, very mature-ish, but RG3 sounded that way, and RG3 fooled the shit out of me, embarrassingly so, when he was a Redskin. So we'll yeah. see about that. Now, this was part of a larger story by Florio in which he confirmed another report from, I believe, Kalen Kaler of The Athletic, who said that, yes, that that Cale Williams' dad did inquire... Not ask for, but just, like, say, so, would it be possible for my son to get a chunk of whatever whatever team he's going to mm-hmm. play for? Some ownership stake. First of all, it's not permitted by league bylaws, so that's a dumbass to begin with. And also, they're not going to give it to him, but that's been confirmed. So, basically, Florio, who was a labor lawyer prior to this, which makes him smart, then goes on the dumbest rant about, Yeah! Yeah, he should get some ownership stake. All these players should get some ownership stake. You know, whether it's uh, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And people savaged that in on Twitter because he's turned off the comments, by the way, at profootballtalk.com, which is too bad. But you go to Twitter, you read the comments. People are like, so if a quarterback doesn't make it with a team that drafted him, but he's got a piece of the team like the Bears and he gets traded, how does that work exactly? Yeah. Yeah, that makes no sense.
1: Yeah. make a Do what Brady did. Be, win seven Super Bowls, make a boatload of money, and go to the Raiders and say, hey, can I buy a piece of the team? Right. That's or, what you or do. Or Magic Johnson. You know,
0: win, buy win a, a piece of, of the commanders. Trips. Right. Yeah. A- exactly. And, and then buy, buy your
1: way in. But, no, you're not giving out <laughs> pieces of the team. It doesn't work that way.
0: <laughs> Why would Florio write that? Like, either he's just engagement farming – to get people like me to talk about it, or there's something he doesn't get for as much law as he knows. And I'm sure he knows labor law backwards and forwards. This was just fucking dumb.
1: He also, he also articulates these things. Well, he speaks well, like a lawyer. So that helps him. But yes, some of these things are ridiculous.
0: All right. Let me uh, end on this. I doubt you watched any of it. Because it was on at 3 a.m. And you had to have the CW app. Anthony Kim Kim made his comeback to professional golf. 76, 76, 74, dead fucking last, or DFL, in the short field 54-man live boombox and shorts event over in Jeddah. This comeback caps a 12-year mystery of Whatever happened to that guy? Because he didn't just retire from golf with an injury at age 26. He literally was never seen again. And he had rose to number four in the world, had a smashing Ryder Cup uh, appearance at Valhalla in 08, and then disappeared. Became like the mysterious case of Sid Finch, which we all know is a fake story. Great fake story by uh, George Plimpton. So he made his comeback because Greg Norman thinks this is what's going to get Liv some traction and eyeballs. And he finishes dead last. He completely sucked. So the question is, whose comeback in sports is at all comparable to it? Kevin Van Valkenburgh wrote the following. You tell me if you agree. He says it's like Bjorn Borg. Borg yeah. was burned out, quit tennis at 25 after losing in the 81 U.S. Open final to John McEnroe, and then was out of tennis for such a long time that he came back with nothing but an outstanding resume and a wooden racket, and it right. did not go well. By then, the equipment and rackets had like really advanced, and he showed up with his old wooden lollipop and was getting smoked.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's what happened. What happened with him? Yes, the burnout happened, but also he, I mean, he had lost twice to John McEnroe. He had beaten him in an epic final at the uh, Wimbledon the year before. And then lost to him, I think it was 81, and then followed that up with the loss at the US Open. And for a guy who had won, I think, five straight Wimbledons and I don't know how many US Opens, it was too much to take. So he left. He also thought that he was going to be financially secure for the rest of his life. Uh, That changed somewhat when he got divorced and made some really bad investments. So, as I remember, when he came back, yes, I do remember the wooden racket, and uh, he needed money. That's why he came back.
0: Yeah, divorce, a clothing line that was a huge money sink, and probably cocaine as well. You know, I I can't convince that. that, but, you know... Just saying, it was popular know. back in the day, Andy. Andy, listen, yeah. this is not a cordal. I'm just kidding. I don't know if he did coke or not. I, I have no you idea. You get so but fucking I, skittish I, I, over any cocaine references. About. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I don't. But but,
1: but 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 if you're saying cocaine and you don't have any idea, I don't think that's fair. The other okay. things were fair. He got divorced <laughs> and he made a bad investment in a clothing line. That's true. I never know. <laughs> I have not heard anything about cocaine.
0: You act like cocaine is the worst thing in the world. It's just a drug. It's a recreational drug. Well, like I've a lot of recreational drugs. Don't have any plans to. Well, that's fine. Neither do I. I, I, I I'm okay. exactly in the same boat. I've been offered it three times. I said no all three times. Thank God. You that's know why? All? You know why I said no three times to cocaine? Not because well, of Nancy fucking Reagan. I'd guarantee you that. Hmm. But my little my little pea brain that doesn't understand mathematics does understand some things about life. I said, hmm. First of all, it could kill me, like you know, Len Bias. So don't want that. You never know, right? Secondly, I'm either gonna I'm either gonna love it and then become addicted, or I'm gonna it's gonna be really bad and something bad's gonna happen. So like, there's no upside. Well, I, the upside would be, holy shit, this drug is amazing. I want to do it some more. That's also not good. So there was no upside. I said thank you, but no thanks.
1: I I turned it down when Len Bias was in junior high school. And uh, and it was thought of at the time as as, safe. Uh, as, as as it was thought of as being better than heroin because it wasn't addictive, believe it or not. <laughs> and and something told me, and I was offered it many times. Believe me, because when I was in those circles in in the early '80s, wow. I was around. I was around some NBA players. Uh, because like we were who? The Dallas Mavericks. Oh, you're around games. them. Okay, I
0: thought you were going to high yeah. school. Okay. Yeah.
1: No, no. I was this was in Dallas in the early yeah. '80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, and so yes, cocaine was was quite available then. And fortunately, I turned it down. All right. Uh, well, anyway, last ad on Anthony Kim. So he shanked a shot in his comeback, mm-hmm. which is embarrassing. And Greg Norman, on TV, you know, the face of the Live Tour, said, Yeah, hey, you know what? I think he was distracted by the drone we use on the Live Tour that was hovering overhead." He'll get used to that. There's a bit more out here he's going to have to adjust to. And I just laughed going, well, there's an excuse. Drone overhead for a shitty shot. I guess pants too tight and or music too loud still available as excuses.
1: Too bad there wasn't drones available when he screwed up the Masters 25 years ago. (laughs)
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, there's a Carl's Golfland ad in which they run through all these excuses that guys have. I wrote a few of them down for you. The geese were staring at me. I never Mm -hmm. play well in these socks. My Band-Aid came loose right in my downswing. My shirt isn't wicking enough. (laughs) And was that tree always there?
1: See, I don't have any excuses because I'm not playing.
0: (laughs) And he tried it. He didn't care for it. And it's in the rear view, and you don't miss it. And that, not, my friend, uh, I respect. All
1: right,
0: very good. Andy, thank you for your time and your patience with me technologically. Good run today, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Very good, Dave. Take care. There you go. And that's a wrap for today, Sting. Thank you for being a subscriber as well. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time.
1: I'm paid my
0: dues to make it Everybody wants me to be what they want me to be
1: I'm not happy when I try to face it